From KLCC Studios, this is Oregon on the Record. I'm Michael Dunn. Last week, the normal soundtrack of our community, the sounds of rain, birds, and cars, was rudely interrupted by the audio assault of branches and whole trees crashing to the ground. The historic ice storm that slammed into western and central Oregon took its toll on many, including the trees of our urban and rural forests. Today on Oregon on the Record, you'll hear from two experts at the Oregon Department of Forestry's Urban and Community Forestry team who will talk about what happened to our trees, why it happened, and what property owners can do to both care for damaged trees and also better prepare them for the next weather event. Our trees are being impacted like never before from climate change, wildfires, and invasive species, and they need both our protection and care. Hopefully, we'll all learn to better see the forest through the trees on this edition of Oregon on the Record. Joining me today are two members of the Urban and Community Forestry team of the Oregon Department of Forestry, and they'll share their decades of experience about trees, tree health, and how the changing environment is having a huge impact. We think of trees as the epitome of strength and longevity, but they're actually quite sensitive and need our attention and care. So let's talk to our two experts about what to do with damaged trees today and what we can do to keep them healthy long into the future. Brittany Oxford and Scott Altenhoff, they're, they're both uh, part of Oregon Department of Forestry's Urban and Community Forestry team. Thanks so much for jumping on and talking with us. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. I don't know, Scott, let's start with you. Talk generally about, you know, the impact you've seen or, or your team has seen in Western Oregon as a result of, of last week's ice storm. How, how bad did it look? Uh, it looked pretty bad, depending on where you were. The Portland area was hit uh, very hard, as I think everyone knows. Mm-hmm. In uh, that situation, the high winds were the really... Uh, potent uh, ingredient to the winter storm. Um, and as you move south along the Willamette, down the Willamette Valley, the ice uh, accumulation, uh, there was no wind, but uh, the, the ice accumulating on the trees uh, made things uh, pretty bad, especially in conjunction with the saturated soils, <clears throat> the, the wet soils. And uh, those two factors combined made it pretty, pretty severe in the Eugene Springfield area. You know, Brittany, is is ice about the worst things that trees have to deal with? Or is is there like a hierarchy of environmental impacts to trees that 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 really create problems? Mm, uh, Good question. I think uh, that sort of depends on a lot of things Mm -hmm. and um, trees definitely experience stress from a lot of factors, ice being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, whenever you see ice, the, the issue is uh, increased weight loads. Um, so something also to point out is that um, when I've noticed winter storms that happen earlier, like say in November, uh, when some of our broadleaf trees still have leaves on, ice can have a, a bigger effect because the, the leaves are then freezing and that weight load is a little bit uh, increased. But um, like Scott was saying, in this specific instance, the wind uh, in combination with saturated soils was sort of the big uh, stressor and the reason that a lot of the uh, trees destabilized and fell. But ice can sort of cause um, issues, especially if there are already structural defects within hmm. trees. Um, you know, maybe the uh, branch is not attached 
in a great way and the extra weight adding to that could, could spell trouble. Sure, sure. You know, Scott, obviously, if a tree falls on a homeowner's property and it, you know, hits their house or car or something, you know, obviously they have to deal with that immediately. But, you know, if a tree falls, but it's not an imminent danger and it hasn't necessarily destroyed uh, a building, what should homeowners be doing right now? If it's a small property and there are not so many trees, it's fairly straightforward. But you can imagine when we're dealing with uh, entire cities or municipalities or large institutional properties, mm -hmm. you can't do it all. So it's very important to uh, stratify or to separate out and distinguish uh, the trees that are problematic and that need to be dealt with uh, imminently okay. versus the trees that can remain on the ground and not pose a problem for a long time. So um, the first step is to do that assessment to figure out uh, what the limits of your responsibility are, uh, your property or your neighborhood or your town or your county, and um, really focus on those those situations or those um, trees that are posing an immediate threat and that could have life safety implications or injury implications or even just damage implications. Uh, one thing worth mentioning is prevention is prevention is always so much better and uh, more cost-effective than cure. So we are big advocates for proactive tree inspection and maintenance and treatment. And really, if this ice storm was a lesson in anything, it's that uh, stitch in time saves nine. So um, getting pre preventative inspections and care can really preclude a lot of uh, uh, cost and um, Loss. Mm, yeah. Uh, for our audience, let me <clears throat> reintroduce my guests, Brittany Oxford and Scott Altanoff. They're both a part of the uh, urban and community forestry team for the Oregon Department of Forestry. Um, Brittany, kind of, kind of taking off of what, what we just talked about with Scott, you know, let's say your tree didn't fall during this ice storm, but you're concerned about its health. Uh, you know, I, I guess my general question is, do we... Can trees withstand a lot of damage, even to the trunk? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think anytime that you have a tree that you're responsible for caring for and you notice something um, that you, is concerning to you, uh, I would say having a qualified um, arborist come and take a look and make recommendations about the tree is probably uh, the first and most important step. To Scott's point, I just want to say, like, uh, the most important piece of this is that the the more proactive you are around uh, tree maintenance and care, you know, they require a lot of uh, care and attention, uh, especially in urban areas where there's additional sort of stresses on these uh, trees, the more money it's going to save you in the long run. Generally speaking, kind of from a very, you know, 30,000 foot view, if you will, what are some basic steps that homeowners, property owners should do proactively to give their trees the best chance to survive for the long term, but then also perhaps to survive a, a winter event like we just uh, we just we just witnessed. Yeah, there are a number of things that folks can do to help hedge their bets and uh, to increase resilience to storm forces. So keeping the tree healthy is uh, paramount. So um, making sure that it's 
not uh, susceptible to drought stress, if it is uh, a tree species that needs uh, frequent watering. Um, so keeping vitality and vigor of the tree high um, and making sure that the soil um, and the root systems are healthy. And that can be done by protecting. Uh, one of the greatest threats to a, a tree's root system is soil compaction. And soils can get, become compacted uh, by foot traffic or vehicle traffic or soil degradation, um, a variety of ways. So just keeping that, we call it the critical root zone, uh, the area near the trunk, uh, mm -hmm. extending out roughly as far as the the tree's crown. So just keeping uh, traffic minimized in that sensitive area, keeping the root system healthy, uh, making sure that um, uh, the tree is not over fertilized. That's often a contributor that people don't realize. They think they're helping their tree hmm. by fertilizing it. But what that can often do is uh, predispose the tree to growth that uh, then it makes the tree more vulnerable to storm damage, either wind or heavy rains or snow or ice. So um, as with human beings, uh, growth, uh, excessive growth is not a good thing. It's a matter, growth is needed to help keep the tree stable and vital, but excessive growth can be problematic. So uh, I'd say first and foremost, keeping the tree healthy and then, uh, also, uh, making sure that if a tree is vigorous and growing, uh, putting on growth on limbs and the main trunk, keeping uh, that growth in check through judicious pruning and uh, maintenance practices. Um, and now is probably a good time to uh, add the caveat that we want to avoid uh, non-judicious uh, pruning or topping Okay. Uh, sometimes people try to take too much off uh, from the tree, excessively prune or top the tree, and that is not a, a, a advisable course of action either. So, um, and that's where once again, uh, relying on a trained professional to to make that call. Tree care is a science to be sure, but there's also a um, large element of art and hmm. uh, a, uh, a qualified arborist and tree risk assessor. Uh, usually can and strike a fine balance, and it's amazing. Um, I've been at this work now for about 30 years, and the trees that um, I cared for in advance of uh, storms invariably fare weather, uh, fare better than um, the trees that have not been uh, treated. Got it, got it. Almost the Goldilocks effect. Not too much, yes. not too little, something like that. Brittany, you know, are there trees that fare better in ice storms than others? Uh, well, sure. Yeah, there's definitely going to be um, differences in uh, a tree's ability to be resilient to, uh, you know, winter storms, such as the one that we just noticed. But I think it's sort of the, the biggest point there is that uh, we get the greatest environmental benefits from larger trees. So um, I would just caution that anytime you know, sometimes what happens with these winter storms is that uh, when larger trees fall, uh, homeowners will preemptively remove trees because, uh, you know, they're afraid. And sure. uh, I can understand that. But um, I would just say uh, the benefits usually far outweigh 
uh, the risks that come along with trees. So just making that an informed decision. Definitely have an arborist come and look at your trees mm -hmm. uh, uh, so they can tell you on an individual level uh, how they think a tree will fare in a, in a future storm and be more proactive with it is what I would say around that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Scott, I'm sure many people today thinking something along the lines of, of this line of questioning. This tree has been in my front yard for hundreds of years. It must have survived, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of ice storms. Why did it fall this time? That's an excellent question, Michael. Um, I wish I had the, the exact answer, but uh, I don't. Uh, but that said, uh, I've had 30 years of experience, and uh, you're absolutely right. Some oaks that you know are uh, two to 300 years old, and certainly uh, they made it through the Columbus Day storm of the 60s. We've had, on average, a significant uh, snowstorm or windstorm every decade. Why this time? Um, and one thing's for sure, our climate is changing rapidly, hmm. uh, arguably more rapidly than any of us uh, really expected. Uh, and that climate change manifests itself as increased temperatures and extended periods of drought in the, the dry periods, but then increased uh, periods of uh, rain, perhaps not distributed, but rather coming all at once. And uh, so in cases where trees fail uh, at the at ground level, sometimes the tree holds strong, but the soil just gives way. It doesn't have the, the holding ability. Any of us uh, gardeners, if you try and pull a, a weed when the soil is wet and, and there's enough moisture, it comes out easily. But if uh, you wait till it's dry, the soil is hard, it it's, uh, can be impossible to remove. So mm. trees are very similar. Uh, so soil conditions can make a difference. Uh, drought stress on extended drought stress on trees, um, something impacting the bigger can play a role. Uh, uh, deferred maintenance or lack of care can play a role. And then uh, as cities develop, the patterns of airflow can change and exposure. We see that a lot in new developments, uh, say uh, former woodland uh, uh, forest stands that now have a, a pronounced edge. Those trees that developed uh, with uh, neighbors to buffer them from the winds to absorb some of the, the, the brunt of the, the wind force and now being removed, uh, that can cause trees to fail where previously they felt strong. Or um, uh, solar exposure uh, or uh, our built environment can actually funnel winds, create artificial canyons that can intensify winds. So we often see that in urban centers where uh, the wind uh, will uh, come in and hit a tree from a, a new direction. And then um, we have prevailing winds that the trees have a chance to harden themselves or adapt to, but then we get these strange winds that come out of nowhere from an angle that uh, are unprecedented and we often see failures, uh, microbursts as it were. Sure, in that regard. sure. So um, yeah, it, why, uh, particular tree fails. Generally, it's just the collective impact of numerous defects and uh, extreme forces, but uh, 
I wish I knew the. the <laughs> well, th story. those those were some some good answers. I'm sure a lot of people didn't realize. Um, let me reintroduce the guests that I'm talking to today: Brittany Oxford and Scott Altanoff. They are part of the. Uh, uh, forestry community team or urban and community forestry team within Oregon Department of Forestry. Um, you know, Brittany, you talked about this a little earlier, but I mean, talk about, you know, we live in a in an urban forest, many of us. Talk about just the, the overall benefit of what trees can do to improve our lives uh, and to just improve the overall environment of which we enjoy here in, in Western and Central Oregon? Well, thank you so much for the question. Yeah. Um, so trees do a lot for us in, in our urban settings, especially. Um, and a lot of the things that they do, people probably are not uh, conscious of. And it's something that I like to refer to as tree blindness. But uh, regardless, they're there and they're they're doing lots of things for us. So uh, they clean our air, uh, they filter stormwater, they sequester carbon, um, uh, they cool our air, which is becoming increasingly important um, with, you know, increased uh, heat events in the summers each year. Um, and actually, that's really important because uh, the number one or a really high cause of deaths from natural disasters or from heat-related illness, and I don't think that's talked about enough, and trees can be a really tangible way to help combat that. Mm -hmm. And uh, they also increase a sense of community and safety, and generally having uh, more canopy coverage and a really healthy urban forest is just going to result in safer and healthier communities overall. Got it, got it. Scott, obviously, you know, we went through this winter event, but obviously it's not going to be too long in, until we get into the summer months. And of course, for all of us are so well aware of the fact that that uh, uh, wildfires is is really becoming almost a permanent condition. It is becoming a permanent condition for us in Oregon. Talk a little bit about maybe what homeowners need to think about, property owners need to think about in terms of trying to uh, 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 both have trees and and, and, and and vegetation, but also doing perhaps a better job to, to, to kind of build in some fire resistance. Yeah, so it's important to recognize that um, not all trees, there, there's a wide variety of difference between uh, species of tree and species of vegetation, some are extremely flammable and can, even when green, exacerbate uh, wildfire uh, potential. Uh, there are some types of um, vegetation and trees that are uh, far less susceptible and can actually help inhibit. Uh, one uh, shrub that comes to mind is snowberry. Hmm. Uh, it's a fast-growing native shrub that uh, uh, creates thickets, and that has actually been demonstrated to uh, help slow down. Uh, it has um, compounds in it that are uh, uh, flame inhibiting, so it's important to recognize not all trees or not all vegetation has the same uh, flammability potential. In fact, it's also important to recognize that uh, buildings and fences and human-built structures are typically far more flammable than uh, living trees. Now, if you have a large accumulation of dead wood, uh, both on the tree or within the crown of the tree, or uh, dead needles or leaves uh, on the ground or in the crown, that's going to change the factor. So 
making sure that the the buildup of um, dead branches or dead uh, leaf or needle material is not there. Also having a reasonable, there are guidelines uh, that are easy to um, read about uh, online about defensible space standards. So just make sure that uh, best practices are being followed with regard to uh, vegetation near to houses or elevated decks or fences, um, avoiding the species that are most flammable. Uh, one of the favorite uh, cultivars, it's a fast-growing cultivar, uh, Leland cypress, uh, makes an excellent hedgerow. They're readily available, but they can be very uh, prone to uh, very flammable. So hmm. um, uh, now it's also important to recognize that the extreme fire danger uh, down south in southern Oregon or in central Oregon, it's going to be different than uh, the central Willamette Valley or farther north. Yeah, well, and certainly there's, there's so much to learn. I know we just barely scratched the surface, but we've already reached our time. I really want to thank you both for coming on, Brittany Oxford and Scott Altanoff, part of the uh, Oregon Department of Forestry's Urban and Community Forestry Team. Thank you so much for, for all the information that you provided to us. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. One of my favorite sayings is as follows. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. To me, this expression means that it's never too late to take action. In regard to trees, even though they will long outlive us, it's never too late to do what we can to protect and nurture them. Even though thousands of trees were damaged and killed during the last ice storm, it's not too late for us to repair their damage, prepare them for future storms, and do everything possible to ensure their future. I want to thank both Brittany Oxford and Scott Altenhoff from the Oregon Department of Forestry for coming on the show. This show, along with all episodes of Oregon on the Record, is available at klcc.org. I'm Michael Dunn, your host. Thanks for listening.